Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Now, before we introduce you to our awesome guest this week, we just wanted to make you aware that we still have the 30-day free trial at meandmygolf.com running during these uncertain times. Obviously, COVID-19, we need to make sure we stay safe and well, but if we can continue our golfing learning, then obviously we want to make sure we're doing that. So the 30-day free trial is still available at meandmygolf.com. We've unlocked three of our main coaching plans, how to play golf the basics, simple secrets to low scores, and flexible in 15. So make sure you check that out. Now, today's special guest is actually personally one of my favorite golfers in the world. This man won the 2016 Open Championship at Royal Troon. He was the first person to the double-double, that is winning the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai. He comes from Sweden, you know who it is, it is Henrik Stenson. So we get a chance to spend over an hour speaking to Henrik about his golf, growing up, you know, his work that he does with his coach, Pete Cowan, and also the epic duel that he had with Phil Mickelson in 2016. You are not gonna wanna miss this. Loads of great content, and Henrik is such a fun guy, and it was an awesome pleasure for us to do this. So without further ado, here is our special guest, Henrik Stenson. So Henrik, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you? Everything good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all things considered, we, we're doing fine. Uh, family's good. Uh, back in uh, back home in Orlando, Florida, and uh, we kind of stayed home, uh, locked down, and uh, yeah, not much movement, but everyone's doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, good. Yeah, similar, similar ourselves. I mean, we're kind of... Um, we were just talking, obviously, in my situation, I'm in a sort of a coach house, so I have no garden, so I've got a net rigged up attached to the garage. Hopefully it doesn't blow away. If it blows away at the wrong time, I'm launching balls into my garage effectively. So, yeah, of course, you know what? It's it's obviously very interesting times. And I think just before we get into this, actually, I would say that you guys have been fantastic. And I think sports stars in general have been fantastic with the with the input that you've had into this time when there's look, there's people at home. The, the screen time on phones must have doubled or tripled, you know, on a daily basis. And, and they need to watch something and you can't watch. There's not enough on TV to watch. So mobile phones, for sure, you know, they want to be educated or entertained. And you guys are doing a, a great job of that. So, so well done to you guys. These tour stories are pretty Thank cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of fun ones coming out there. I saw... Uh... I saw David Lynn's yesterday when uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Actually. No, yeah, you want you want to see that. I mean, the story is good, but the way he presents it, it's uh, it's kind of funny too. He's a character. He's from the he's from the same county as is in the UK as well. So he's from Staffordshire, the same as us. So he's a yeah. Good character. <laughs> I want to hear the real stories though. I do. Those I'm sure these are like the really reserved tame ones. Well, uh, you can say what you like on this on this podcast. Henry. Well, there, <laughs> there were there were some restrictions going with it. It was supposed to be yeah. somewhat kid kid friendly and and uh, not much foul language uh, either in these ones so i mean there's i'm, I'm sure there's a couple of worse ones than than the ones uh, uh, that that were told there but um, i have a feeling that they, they might get ramped up a little bit here with uh, if, if you get linny and mark rowe and mark davis and a few other guys uh, thrown in the ring here it could get worse and worse so we'll, we'll see where it ends up that could be very very interesting for sure for sure so henrik i have to say before we get into this now, this obviously, you know, we've got to obviously get you in a good mood here, but this is absolutely dead straight. You are 100% in my top five all-time <laughs> favorite golfers. Oh, Henrik, do you know? Appreciate you that. Know what, that. Who are the that, other four? <laughs> that sounds like a really good compliment, but he's got top five women as well, and he's got about 30 women in his top five. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right. sometimes it's so, a little so. more than five, but no, 100% you're in there. I mean, I just think <laughs> I remember you winning at the Benson and Hedges, 
uh, at the Belfry. Was it Benson Hedges yeah. there? Yeah, was, yeah, two thousand and one. That's uh, that's a long time ago. It's uh, yeah, almost yeah. twenty years ago now. Yeah, and that's that's frightening. Yeah. And I was I was there watching that, and I was that was really cool. And I had never heard of you at that point. I thought, oh, this guy's pretty good. He hits it pretty decent. You know, we'll watch out for him. I actually yeah. went off the scene for a few years after that, I think. But then you came back pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's certainly been some ups and downs uh, throughout the years, but. Uh, I think what you're saying is it's frightening that the time flies that quickly. I remember when I first came out on tour and it might even have been at, at one of those events there back in 2001 and I played with some of the more seasoned guys and, and uh, you know, he asked how long you've been out and yeah, 13 years and someone else 12 and you're thinking, gosh, that's a long time. And now we're, we're talking <laughs> about it and I'm almost done 20 years on tour. It's, it's crazy. Has that, has that gone quickly to you or does it seem like you've been out there for... 50 years. A bit of both. I think it kind of depends on how you how you view it. When when you're thinking back, obviously it's a lot of lot of tournaments played, a lot of lot of seasons, and a lot of travel and everything else. But at the same time, it it, it still feels feels fairly quick. At uh, in one way, when you look at it, uh, I think uh, in, in general we we see the years fly by on our kids. Though I mean, how much they grow up and you're thinking oh gosh it was not long ago she was running around in, di- in diapers and now now she's a teenager you know it's uh, yeah Crazy. it certainly it certainly moves moves on quickly absolutely you, you won't know this Henrik Pierce also has another job he's a coach by profession but in his spare time he's actually your lookalike oh now, very <laughs> good at the uh, at the AP, AP event in Orlando I think it was a couple of years ago we were on the driving range at Top Golf. I don't think you could have made it that that night and um, Team China were like, Pierce come walking down and they, they looked at Pierce and they're like, oh my God, it's Henry. <laughs> and the, Pierce then has his photo took by all Team China for the, for the whole night and didn't say a word, just, just soaked it all up. So he didn't correct them. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Henry's going, what podcast am I really on? <laughs> so anyway, let's get into the proper stuff. So look, obviously Sweden. Um, as far as obviously... Scandinavian countries it is the top golfing nation I mean there's so many great players come out of this and was that something that was it was it easy for you to play golf in the beginning or what got you into golf so just a little bit of a a, of a background uh, to me I mean I'm uh, I I was totally random really how I got into golf my family no one played golf in my family and uh, I played soccer uh, or football, we can, we can say football here, right? Yeah. Everyone understands what we're talking about. Um, that was my main sport. Um, played uh, badminton actually indoors in the in the winter time when when uh, when it was a little bit more quiet and not as much running around outside. Um, and then one of my friends lived a couple of doors down. His family played golf. They just asked me on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon if I wanted to join them for the local club and. Hit a few on the driving range, and I guess I, um, you know, hit it out of the middle with a five iron a couple of times, and thought this is fun. Uh, I'm I'm left-handed. I'm totally left-sided, left-footed, left-handed, left-eye dominant. So very much uh, one-sided in that sense. But we played a lot of street hockey, so we were running around with hockey sticks and tennis balls and playing matches and and building our own goals and and um, the, so it felt very natural for me. I, if I were hitting a slap shot, it would be off the same right way hand. as I play golf right yeah so um, I guess the timing was there and yeah I just got got into it very quickly went home asked for some clubs uh, wanted to start taking lessons and um, my dad who didn't know anything about golf uh, joined me for one of the lessons and the pro was uh, was pretty 
excited. He said, look, look uh, how straight he hits it. And my dad looked at him and said, well, aren't you, aren't you supposed to do that? But, <laughs> but, but he kind of found out later when he started playing that maybe that wasn't that easy to hit it straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, on that same note, it was, it was pretty, pretty funny that um, after I won the Open uh, and I spoke to my, my first ever uh, golf uh, coach, uh, his name is Richard Bayliss, uh, and he's a half Scot, half English. You say he sounds Swedish. The, <laughs> no, uh, half Scottish, half English. That's that's probably the worst of both, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I didn't know or didn't remember was that he he's actually he he, uh, he was uh, he was born in Trune and and grew up in Trune, just a just a couple Amazing. of. Uh, Couple of hundred yards down down the road from where I won the Open, so it was after after my win there. I kind of felt well, that that really kind of closed the circle. That my first ever golf coach back in the '80s in Gothenburg, Sweden, he was actually from where I ended up winning uh, winning the Open Championship. So uh, he was obviously super proud, and um, it was a fun conversation to to have after I won that one. Can't you go and have a lesson with someone who's at Augusta then or something? Is that the next the Yeah, next that's plug? the next step. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got it booked in. As soon as we, we can travel again, I got some, some uh, lessons booked in. San Francisco, gonna... New York, Augusta, yeah, everywhere. I like it. I like it. And yeah, so obviously when you were, you mentioned the other sports that you've done, and, I, and me and Andy will talk about this all the time, that when, you were, when we were youngsters or juniors, definitely build up some physical literacy. So you said already the ability to hit a slap shot and the ability to obviously the speed that you get in your wrists from badminton and maybe the overall leg strength that you get and agility from from football they definitely help map out how you can become a uh, how effective you are as a golfer so how old were you when you started playing golf uh, i was uh, i think 11 11 and a half the first time okay. i picked up so, a golf club so i'd i done other sports for for quite some time before and and absolutely cool. i mean we we see in in one in one way we we start specializing earlier in in sports these days but i think it's certainly a great great thing to do for for the kids and and the youngsters to to play you know as many different sports as they can to develop you you, you're going to get positives from from each one of the different sports and it's just going to make you a better athlete uh, and and give you a better foundation and base whenever you then specialize later and uh, i think uh, i think it certainly helps um and also just playing sports in general. That, that's one one thing that we kind of miss these days compared to when we grew up. That we were outside all the time. We were playing sport on the just uh, on your doorstep basically. And the other kids in the neighborhood came out, and you were either biking around or you were playing football or just always doing doing things with your friends outside. This spontaneous stuff that's not organized. Because if you're gonna be become good at anything it's they, they talk about the 10,000 hours and all the other things it's not really been dropped off at a at a practice for an hour two times uh two or three days a week that's mm-hmm. not going to get you uh, to be one of the better players in the world on on anything so it's it's all the time you spend on your own and 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 also uh you, you certainly want to encourage that compared to sitting in front of the PlayStation or something else, uh, all, all the computer games and everything. I'm, I'm sure that's good entertainment for a rainy day, but you want the kids to be outside and doing sports uh, when the sun is shining and, and uh, you know, it's, it's good for, for them in, in many different ways. So, so I would say that you were probably dropped off at the golf club at eight o'clock in the morning and then picked up at eight o'clock at night when you were a junior. Yeah, it, be, it became that way very quickly. Uh, I had all my friends on the golf course, and uh, I think I was 14 when I when I 
told the uh, the football coach that sorry, he won't be seeing me anymore because it, it just got to that point where I felt I was I, I didn't want to leave the golf course to have to go to to football practice. I, I'd rather stay and and be with my friends and work on my game at at golf rather than than going to play football. So it, it was around 14 that I gave up um, gave up playing football. Yeah, it makes total sense. Pierce, that's exactly what I did, but um, I don't know what went wrong with me and compared to Henrik. Yeah. Henrik's gone on to win the Open. But, yeah. But, <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about practice then, Henrik. I think it'd be great for our for our listeners to really um, get some get an idea of what the best in the world do and and how they practice. How has it changed for you over the the years in terms of how you practice now compare you compared to how you practice, let's say, ten years ago? Yeah, I think. Uh... Even even going back further, when you're a when you're a junior, you got all that time. You you spend your whole your whole time at the golf course. Uh, when you get older, you obviously start uh, start to become more. Uh, you you got other things that that also needs to be uh, to be focused on, and uh, and then you, you got to manage your time better. And I think, especially looking at myself now, now it's it's certainly quality rather than quantity is the is the main thing for my practice and and when i was 23 or 28 you you had still more of the of the kind of junior uh <laughs> you know time frame yeah. you could be all day and and that, that i just don't have that time now so it's more for me going in okay it might be two hours it might be four hours that i'm going to practice but i need to be focused i need to have a a good plan on what I need to do and what I need to accomplish and, and then really keep that that time limits and, 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 and get good quality practicing because uh, also to save the body, I've hit so many golf balls over my career. Yeah. So I, just standing there beating balls, even though I still do that at times, certain times of the year or, or certain moments, you you do that. But it's it's uh, it's more about getting the quality and, and being effective with the practice. Uh, you can do a lot in in an hour if you if your mind is is there with you and and you're working yeah. on a couple of different drills and and you're going through that it's uh, it's some good practice accomplished and and you don't need to spend all day but it's it's a so that's really a luxury I don't have these days but <laughs> that that those days were fun as well when you could be all day at the golf course and 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 you you kind of combine your work and your practice with with having fun with with your friends and and chilling out at the same time so uh, it, it certainly changed a bit and i suppose just your current life and lifestyle because you haven't got let's say loads of time you know and you need to spread your time amongst a lot of different things it just forces you into actually being more productive isn't it so when you do go into those practice sessions you go right I do need a plan. I'm going to be 100% focused on every single shot that I'm hitting, and you don't waste any. You're not wasting any balls, are you? I suppose you're really getting the most out of that hour or two hours practice that you've got. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have a plan, and, and uh, I mean that that changes. So when I get asked, I play a pro am and they say, well, "How many hours do you practice?" or or how do you practice? It kind of changes over the year. In the in the early part of the season, you obviously need to get going. It's a little bit more getting into things, and and then try and go from more technical practice into into more game uh, game ready practice. Um, and certain times, if you have a busy tournament schedule, then it's just maintenance work. Uh, the same as it, it changes on the on the physical side. You can if you have a few weeks at home, you can hit it harder in the gym. When I'm out on tour, I, it's important to keep that up, but it's not going to be the same amount of sessions yeah. and as hard 
it might be 20 minutes at the end of a long day where you're just doing some exercises for your core and 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 legs and 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 back and and that just keeps you going for that week because you you want to you'd rather want to build yourself up when you have the time and then maintain it and build yourself up a little bit yeah. like the like the stock market curve when it's when it's doing the right things not not like we're yeah. seeing lately but then <laughs> sure the moment yeah um, <laughs> because if you if you hit the gym hard for a month and then you go out on tour for five weeks and you do nothing you, you're going to start going backwards again and then you need to pick yeah. it up and so it's it's all those little things and um, certainly looking looking after my body and the, and the physical side of, of things has been a big focus in these last 10 years. I think you can certainly buy in a, a few extra good years in, in, on the back end of your career if you, if you look after yourself. And it's impossible to, to compete with the... It's hard enough to compete with the best in the world when you're healthy, never mind been trying to do it if, you, if you're not healthy. So uh, that side of, of training has certainly become more important for me as the years gone on. And, and how often would you say that's an interesting point? Because I know that it's well, I say I want to say how often are you injured when you play? But how often do you play golf in a regular season when your body is perfect, when it feels just great all throughout the whole tournament? I wouldn't say it's that often, is it? I mean, there's, there's always niggles, no, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, especially when you're getting a little bit on the older side, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, you, you better ask those guys who are getting older how they feel. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, there's there's always uh, a little bit of you know something going on like you say it could be a little bit of a shoulder or a wrist or a back or a knee or something that's making itself reminded but uh, all in all you know uh, touch wood I, I think I've been I've been pretty lucky I've had um, two minor surgeries on uh, on my knees on both knees meniscus work uh, cleanups done but other than that I haven't really and, and a little bit on an elbow but otherwise it's I haven't really been out for for long long periods of time for for my whole career, so I consider myself very lucky in terms of injuries, and and hopefully we can we can finish off that way as well. Cool. That's down to the due care that you're taking with your training, though, isn't it? Because it's something you've always done. Part, isn't it? part of it, I'd say, part of it, and then I guess uh, the swing, the movement, how much uh, pressure or toll that takes on the body as well. I think you you certainly see certain swings. Uh, they, they put a lot more stress and strain on the back than others, and and I guess my movement has been pretty pretty good in that sense. Haven't really put a lot of extra uh, strain on the lower back or anything like that. So I've been I, th- I think that certainly helps as well. But there's there's a few players out there you can you can think that oops that 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 back is gonna gonna feel that after after the next million golf shots <laughs> they, yeah. it's gonna start screaming I don't want to do this anymore. I've had enough. And there's, there's a, quite a bit of talk at the moment and how about how we practice and a, a lot about random practice and variability and, and sort of uh, putting pressure on ourselves. How do you do that, Henrik, in terms of what do you do to, to try and simulate the, the real thing in practice? Uh, I, I think the, uh, the area where I've done that the most is probably uh, in my putting practice. Um, I work with Philip Kenyon and done that for a number of years. And we just got a, a bunch of different drills that, that I tend to go through uh, in, in all my sessions that I do also in warm-up for the events. Uh, but m- all my practice sessions, I normally start with, with some check up some technical work just quickly make sure everything is all right and i'm starting the ball online and setup looks all right and and then i move into different um kind of competitive drills uh, so it's always always got a got a got a purpose there's always a uh, if you want to finish your drill 
obviously you, you're going to make a number of putts, uh, whether it's a spiral around the hole. That's one of my, my go-to exercises. I put out three, four, five, six, seven, eight feet uh, in a spiral around the hole and, and I got to make them all in, in one go. Otherwise we start over again. And ideally you pick a new hole and, and do it in a, in a different way. So yeah. um, when you're coming into the, the second last one or last one there for seven, eight fe- feet, I mean, you know, you're going to start over if you miss them. So it, it certainly yeah. put a lot of, lot of extra or more, more, um, uh, yeah, the same feeling you have standing over a seven-footer in a tournament. You, you get the same yeah. sensation, really. And and then you can have other other drills. Uh, I have one where I put uh, a five, a 10, a 15, and a 20-footer out around the hole and do that five times. And then I, I just add up all the footage that I make. And then you can keep score of that from day to day. And, and you know kind of a baseline if it's 90 or 100 feet that you, you want to make if you're if you want to be around that strokes gained, uh, there's there's a formula to it, so you can you can also compare yourself on on where you should be compared to the best putters on tour and so on. So um, all all that kind of stuff makes it a lot more purposeful than than just roaming around with three golf balls yeah. and and hitting putts to different holes. Yeah, definitely. It's amazing. It's amazing because a lot of our I suppose our followers and our students always ask us, oh, what what can I do? when I'm under pressure to, to be better and um, they don't necessarily think about the practice. They always think about what can I do in this situation there and then, but from what, you know, from a lot of the research and what this practice does, it, it just makes sense. Doesn't it to be able to, Oh yeah, you got to practice to, to bring so, the so practice can, closer. Cause then when you're standing there on a seven footer, I mean, you've gone through, cause I, I do my routine. I, I pick my, my line and doing all those things. Cause otherwise if you're just standing there, and hitting putts and you oh this is working out great it probably works out great because you're using your intuition you just go with your feel yeah. but then then you step onto the golf course and now you start doing a different routine so you want to you want to have the same routine both in practice as as you do uh, when you're playing a tournament then or playing on the golf course so otherwise you're mixing things up and uh, it doesn't make sense that you're just hitting uh, eight footers with your feel and now all of a sudden you're going to you're going to start you know reading them yeah, and yeah. doing all <laughs> So you want you want to you want to you approach it the same way when you're practicing as as you're going to do on the course. Yeah, it makes total yeah, sense. Good advice. And you mentioned actually you mentioned strokes gained there. So as far as stats are concerned, do you use them much? Do you use them to shape your practice depending on how those stats are aligned? I think for the most part, I think at this point I can I can sense or feel myself where I'm where what's working and what's not working but sometimes it's good to to have a little extra look i think the the strokes gain on on the greens is probably the one that i follow the most mm-hmm. uh, putting has been one area where where i spent a lot of extra time with phil in the last couple of years and try to uh, i know i can i can putt as, as good as anyone uh when i'm putting well but my my goal was to just elevate it a little bit have have less bad days and, and just be a little bit more consistent really because otherwise uh, if if you have these big fluctuations on the greens and and with any part of the game, I guess, but but you you just uh, is a little bit more lotto like. Yeah. Is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a bad day? If you can eliminate as much as the bad days as possible, and then you're always going to have some good days where where you feel a little sharper and you're finding the lines and and all that. But I guess it goes for for the whole approach to the game. I'd I'd rather have uh, good consistency at a, at a high as a high level as I can get to 
and then you always know you're going to have those good weeks but some guys just they play 25 weeks and then they have two or three good weeks and and mm. that got to make or break their season but you'd rather have 15 good weeks and then you hope for those three or four extra good ones where you, where you can win tournaments yeah makes, makes total sense makes total sense and it'd be good to go out to you obviously in your goal swing and your coaching because you mentioned obviously phil kenyon about on the putting obviously now i don't know i don't think there's many players out there now who've just got one person looking after them so what does your team look like who have you got in the team yeah, I got a pretty big team around me. Uh, <laughs> a lot of them have been there for for many years as well. Um, Phil being one of them, uh, worked with him back in the day in in 2008, 2009, around that time. And then we had a bit of a break. And then he actually, um, I think it was in 2014, we started working again. So we, we worked for the last six years now. Uh, Pete Cowan, as uh, as you all know, he's he's been on board since 2001, at the end of a one, really. Um, so other than that win at Bel- Belfry, the Benson and Hedges, he's been yeah. on board for everything else. Brilliant. Um, obviously a great golf coach and, and, uh, someone that, that, that means, means more to me than, than just a golf coach, uh, been part of the team for that long. So he's, uh, whether he likes it or not, I think, I think he's considered <laughs> family. Uh, <Yeah. laughs> and then, um, I got Torsten Hansson, who's, uh, that I actually worked with even, even longer. I got to know him. He's a, he's a, He's a coach, uh, more of a mental coach, um, and got to know him through the uh, national team back in '94, '95. So he's, uh, he's he's been around me for a long, long time as well. He's an ex-military, uh, like a uh, navy diver. Uh, wow! So, so he's he's a pretty tough cookie that one, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, he, he's been part of the team for a long, long time. Uh, then. Obviously, the physio now. I'm working with a Canadian uh, physio and trainer. His name is Brendan McLaughlin. Uh, he lives here in Orlando, and that's that's been great as well to have someone at home base. Um, worked with some some great guys before, but they they haven't been living uh, in Orlando and in near proximity. And being able to to both get treatment if if those kind of niggles or injuries occur, but more so getting good practice, good training done at home base and then you can be ready when you're heading out to tour and instead of trying to fix you up when you when you're seeing a physio out on on a tour event somewhere i can do all that work on on my off weeks and then be ready to play and actually spend less time on that when i'm out on tour so uh, that's good and then we got the whole team behind with with uh, managers and caddies and uh, yeah, financial and and everything else. So um, you know, no one named, no one forgotten, I guess. But it's yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it, it, it gets in close to ten people, I think, in in my team. Yeah, and that's and that's, I think it's great it is, as well. It? I think it's great as well that, that that they've been there for a long time, Henrik. I think it's we've we've spoke to a few guys now, and I think a mistake that some people make when they get on tour is thinking that they they're up to a certain level, and they need to change everything, and they need to oh, I need a new coach, I need this and. You look at a lot of the, the guys who've been really successful. They've had these long-term team members who who are more than team members. They really understand you. They understand how you work. And I think it's, a, it's an important part to have these guys um, supporting you, I suppose, really. Yeah, it's probably, really understand the, you. probably the opposite. When, when you, if you're coming from, you know, challenge tour or wherever and qualifying school and all of a sudden you make it out on tour i mean that's when you really need it's you're in a new environment you're, you're up against new challenges that's really when you need to 
to have that support team that you feel comfortable and and uh, that's not the time to start uh, trying a million new things really because the, the same yeah. as it goes for equipment i think it's it's an easy trap to fall into as well and then you you change everything the the clubs and the and everything else that you used the previous season to get you on tour now all of a sudden you're throwing all that out of the window and putting new stuff in and it's going to be a a bit of an adjustment period and and then you're adding that to being in a new in a new environment and and it can easily start spiraling in the wrong in the wrong direction we've seen that many times and but it's it's also temptations as as we know so of course, yeah. it's nice if you're offered a big check in your first year, then you haven't got to actually play to earn it. It's, it's like you say that. Yeah, it gives, it gives security, of course, but it's uh, we we play for a lot of money out on the golf course as well. So if you mm. if you believe in yourself and and that part, then yeah, um, yeah, well, it's it's just one. If you're making too many changes at the same time, I think it can it can upset uh, upset the system a little bit. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's go into let's go into Pete. Obviously, as you said, he's part of the family he's obviously been with you for 19 years as you say what have been the biggest improvements that he's made in your golf game well so we uh, it was actually at the at the end of 2001 we talked a little bit about ups and downs and yeah I won my first year on the European tour in, in May at, at the Benson and Hedges and then at the end of that summer I started struggling with my game pretty bad and at the end of the year I was I was hitting it sideways basically uh, and the caddy I had at the time Grant Berry um that lived in in manchester he uh, he introduced me to pete and said have a have a word with him and see if he can help you because we're obviously struggling big time at the moment and and that's really when we um when we started working together and and uh, basically rebuilt rebuilt the swing uh, for for the next couple of years so it was a lot of a lot of hard work before it got any any uh, any benefit from it but uh, I'm, I'm pretty patient and stubborn so I guess I was <laughs> it was easily one of those where I, where I could have gone uh, after a while and said oh this is not working I'll try something else but we were we were sticking with it and and I worked through that and and uh, came out uh, a better player at the at the other end uh, really and it felt like the comeback was when I won in at Woburn in 2004 that was that was the real comeback after after those long hard uh, mm. years, uh, then the biggest change really was uh, was the short game elevation that that we managed to do. Pete's obviously a great swing coach, but he's also very knowledgeable about the about the short game, and and uh, that's what I felt elevated myself into the into the top fifty and and put me in the in the big events and and really elevated my game that was in 2004 2005 i i became a much better short game player and and my pitching and bunker play improved a lot and and um, at the end of 05 i was i think up to 30th in the world rankings and then obviously stayed there for for, for many years uh, after that and what would you say specifically on can you remember a specific point when it sort of clicked obviously before the tournament win though can you remember a specific whether it be a practice session or a tournament and what was the key indicator to you that it was now solid uh i mean i i finished uh i finished second in in sweden at my home course in uh at, at barsebeck in 2004 luke donald won the scandinavian masters and and i was uh, tied second there and and uh, right around that time i felt like my game was was really coming together uh, um, it, and it, it was not just only the the work I did with Pete. I had 
Torsten was was there as well as the, as the mental support and and because uh, it's never just two th- uh, you know one thing it's it's always gonna be two things together. I mean your your confidence, your mind um, together with the, with the technical side and your swing. So uh, people had asked me before, oh yeah, you kind of lost your confidence. Well, I said you normally don't lose your confidence if you pipe it 300 down the center cut every time. <laughs> so it's. It was. Uh, I started hitting it worse and worse, and then in the beginning, you don't think too much about it. You ask for a pro- you caddy for a provisional ball, but when when you hit enough of those, then you start looking. Oh, what's down the left? What's down the right? And and then it becomes a problem mentally as well. So uh, you get tangled up in both on one end, and you need to untangle them both on the other side. So um, the work really that that I did with with my coaching team uh, kind of put me in a in a much better spot there in, in 2004 and I felt at the late part of the summer that I was playing better and then I got that win in in September I think it was the week after the European team won the the Ryder Cup in in Detroit and they just came back so a few of those guys were probably tired after that week and I made the most out of it <laughs> you bought them all a drink to celebrate <laughs> yeah you keep exactly. drinking you keep yeah. drinking <laughs> I'll take care of this <laughs> Plan. Brilliant. Well, it'd be great also, Henrik, and we've got to talk a little bit about Troon because it's just, it was just such a, a spectacular event and such an incredible... Yeah, I can talk about fun. Troon all day long. <laughs> <laughs> you, have you watched it? How many times have you watched it since? Because it's definitely the best... If you take yourself out of it as watching yourself, it has to be the best exhibition of golf I've ever seen playing against Phil. It does. Yeah, it's it's certainly up there, and I think that that's what makes it that much special. I think standing on that first tee on on Sunday afternoon uh, with a one shot lead, uh, I would have taken a seventy one and and be done with it if if that would have been enough to to win it, of course. But the way the whole the whole afternoon and and that week played out uh, made it even more special. Of course, the first part is is to secure the win at the Open. That was a that was certainly a, a, a lifelong dream, golfing dream that that. I managed to achieve there because uh, when I started playing there as a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, I remember watching the Open Championship on TV, and and you know you you, you dream about just being being in that field and playing those championships one day, and then to finally stand there one day and and getting the Claire Jug presented to you on the 18th is is nothing short of spectacular in that sense. So that was that was amazing, and uh, that's your. Your first thought is is to try and win the tournament, and and uh, we certainly managed to to do that part. And then the bonus of it all was how well we played, because it, it really became a match play situation already on the on the back nine on Saturday. Phil and I were battling for position, and and um, it was it was a it was a point there when he birded I think on thirteen, um, and I was two behind, I think at the time, and I realised. I can't let him get any further ahead because if if he gets three or four shots ahead, he's not going to let that go on Sunday. And and I managed to to actually get double swings on both 14 and and 17, the par threes, to to bring it back. And and I went in with a lead um, into Sunday. But uh, we were just playing so good, and and I felt early on there was just going to be between him and I. I think it helped me that I I'd been. Up there, I was second to Phil at Muirfield in 13. I'd I'd had a couple of uh, third finishes before. It was only really the I wasn't eyeing anything else than a win. Nothing else really mattered. It was I was just going for it as hard as I could. And I think I've always always been triggered of 
of those match play situations. It's it's very clear what you need to do, what your opponent is doing, and and um, yeah, if if he hits it to ten feet, you you would just want to stick it in there closer to to try and make the birdie and and. Uh, we were just trading punches all the way around, and and played both of us played fantastic golf for for the whole the whole week and the whole eighteen. So, so for, obviously that final round, especially the back nine, then Henrik, because normally you're going to go into a tournament and you're going to have your strategy clearly marked out, exactly where you want to hit the golf ball and and look where the flags are and and be conservative, I suppose, to a certain point. When you're going in the, down the back nine with Phil, does that strategy then just go well? it sort of goes out the window a little bit because you're just really playing against him and you're going, well, I'm, I've got to react against him as opposed to playing the course. Yeah, I think you're playing, you're still playing kind of both, but I think when you, I, I knew he, he was never going to back down. I even, I can remember crystal clear when I'm standing on that, uh, uh, what is it now, that'd be the, uh, the 14th. When I'm standing on the on the 14th with a 20 footer for bird and, and we're all square and I, I I'm thinking to myself he's never backing down I know that already so if you want to win this the back nine here doesn't give you that many chances so it's like you got to make this putt I, I I remember so clearly that I was I was thinking that and then I just picked my line and, and hit it right in the middle and and at that point I guess Phil wasn't really too worried about it but then when I drained that 51 footer on the next I think <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I mean it, it's kind of hard to 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 remember everything but I don't know if he if I don't think he said too much after I made that one he, he realized he was in trouble and then and then we know when it's your day the margins are on your side and and I mean it's ridiculous how close his eagle putt is on on 16 oh. from going in it's it, it's it's a Half of the ball virtually is over the edge. It, it's so yeah. good, and and I guess when it's when it's your turn or my it was my day, then that's the difference. And who knows what would have happened if he made that one? He might have hit it close on seventeen, and I might have been in trouble, and it could have been a different outcome. Who knows? I think it would have been a great podcast if Phil was actually on the other side of the screen right now as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's talk to Phil about the whole back nine. <laughs> yeah, well, he. I mean, he was he was extremely. Uh, good about it and, and I mean he's a he's a class player he's he's been the, the second best player in the world for for the last 20 years really so I mean he's had his, his good moments and and uh, I think what kind of shocked him a little bit was just how well he played and didn't win I think he said that that yeah. was the best he's ever played without winning a golf tournament so you know every every now and again you're going to bump into someone who has an even better day but uh, he uh, no, he's he's, a, he's been a great player and uh, and he he was great in in defeat. How much did you actually? Sorry, Andy, I've got all these questions. Right. <laughs> um, how much did you actually talk in that in that back? Well, even in the last round, we didn't speak that much. Uh, I mean, I was in with Gareth, my caddy. Uh, we we doing our thing, and and uh, and Phil and Bones were doing their their thing. So it wasn't much. I just remember walking off the the fifth. Um, it's the fifth, the par three, right? No, no, sorry, the par five. And, and Phil had just eagled it. Um, it was a f- oh, I should remember these things, shouldn't I? <laughs> One, two, I think three. It is. No, four is the par, th- par five, isn't it? The fourth. Yeah, I Don't think know. so, yeah. I, I know fourth is the par five. And and Phil, Phil just eagled it. He birded one, I birded two and three. He eagled five, uh, four. And then... I just walked up uh, next to him. I said, we've got a pretty good scramble going on or a pr- pretty good uh, better ball going here already, something like <laughs> that. So it wasn't much, but it was the odd little comment here and there. And 
and um, yeah, I think I think each and one are just so much into the game, and, and especially when it's a it's a match play situation already from the from the beginning. How about how about when a putt went in? Did either one of you just sort of like look at each other and just go, "Yep, that was me." Did any of any of that? No, no, I don't oh. think it was it was too much of that. I mean, uh, I, I, it feels a little bit the same as as when you're making putts at the Ryder Cup. I mean, the crowd is great at the Open Championship, and and when you just want to make more putts to 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 get the the grandstand to erupt. It's uh, it almost becomes like a like a little drug. You just you just yeah, want to. Yeah. You just want to make more of them, and and yeah. certainly at the at the Ryder Cup as well. It's uh, when when especially when you're playing at home, uh, you just want to make putts because everyone's going nuts. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Uh, that that's yeah. yeah. Uh, Andy, I'm gonna let you ask a you question. There's not many people. You... <laughs> Thank you, Pierce. Thank you. There's not many people. Not many more people you'd want to be up against than Phil. I mean, what a what a person as well to actually be up against in the last round to beat him is uh, that's pretty special as well. And I think probably. It, it probably almost pushed you that little bit more, didn't it, to go, right, I want to win this because you knew you, you were up against such a fierce competitor that like, you had to produce it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, already from, from when we started or, or already from the Saturday, I knew it, it was about going forward. It was not about trying to guard any positions or hope that your no. opponent is, is not going to be on, on form because even when he's not on, 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 in great form, his short game is so sharp that he's he's gonna he's gonna turn a seventy-two into sixty-nine or something anyway. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that helped my mindset a little bit. I knew I had to go out and play play a great solid round to have a chance, and and I, I just managed to to overachieve on 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 that end. I, I played yeah the best round of my life really. Yeah, and you got the record as well, which I don't think you knew about, did you? As you were on the last green. Yeah, I didn't know it was. Uh, yeah, so I think we we beat Tiger's 2000 record from St Andrews, right? I think that was 19 under, yeah. and we got to 20. But it, it's it's tough on links. I mean, I, I did it at a at a pretty tough venue if you compare with with a few of the other courses. But it's so much weather dependent, and uh, it's one of them. It could stand for 30 years or 50 years, or it could be washed out next year. You you never know. I mean, links golf weather. We saw that at Birkdale when when the when the weather was favourable, all of a sudden the low scores keep on coming. So it's um, we'll we'll see, but it's it's a fun one to have had when however long it lasts. Absolutely. And we played that last hole, Pierce. We went we played it the week before or something like that. Yeah, the yeah. last hole. Yeah. And it was like it was it was just it's actually quite tight. Obviously, you hit three with just just shy of the bunker, which was like a, <laughs> a two two yards short of the bunker. It, it was a tough finishing hole. What you wedge in wedge in from there as well? Yeah. But just uh, yeah. just on how pumped up I was, I mean, I I nuked that uh, that three wood. It came up just short of the bunker. I actually thought it was in the bunker when I stood on the back tee there. I couldn't see it, and it wasn't until I got about thirty or forty yards up that I could see it. And that was a very very pleasant sight to see a ball short of the bunker because yeah, I thought it was in it. But I think Phil hit three wood seven iron, and I had three wood uh, wedge. So it just shows yeah. how. Uh, I think he, he cut his up against the wind a little bit, and I just sent this really rocket down the right hand fast track. And and uh, uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a super easy. It's a pretty slim green, pretty skinny green yeah. to to have a six seven mm-hmm. iron into when if you need a, a four to win it. But uh, I had I had some a little bit of extra buffer, and and then. Uh, he, he didn't hit a close either, so it was. Uh, but it wasn't until I hit the green that I started to let up a little bit, and then yeah. you still, even when you're 25 feet away or however far away I was, 
if he makes it, I mean, people have three putted from 25 feet. So uh, when, when it's for a major championship, so you, I just kept my head down as long as I could, and it wasn't until he had he had missed his long attempt for birdie that I that, that was the first time I really let the thought of okay, you actually yeah. won this. That, that was the yeah, first yeah. time I let that come in. I think, I think the back That's nine amazing. itself does that for you as well, because you mentioned about the birdie on 14. I mean, 14 with that. With the railway up the right hand side, that is a, that's a, with the out of bounds all up the right hand side. That's a, a one of the that's many a, tough holes a, on the back nine. That's eleven though. Eleven is the. Is oh, the sorry. No, yeah, the... you're right. You're right. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Yeah, but you, you, the whole back nine though is you know it's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a true test, isn't it? I certainly, I certainly won that championship on the back nine because I think I was ten under on the front and ten under on the back, and I think mm-hmm. there were there were certainly a few guys who, who, who matched ten under on the front uh, potentially, but. Uh, it was really my scoring on the back now, which is a much harder, harder yeah. nine. Because uh, the fr- front one, you got a few shorter par fours. It's normally a little bit of downwind off the right, but it's the it's the back nine. That's the that's the real tough holes, and and I managed to play them really really well the, throughout the whole week. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. We have to ask the question, Andy. Actually, we haven't got it in our notes. Can you believe this? The three wood. Obviously, you're famous for hitting your three woods off the tee and how well it goes. What? Why is that su- such a good club for you? Well, it's. Uh, I think it, it goes back to uh, back to when I was struggling. Uh, I, I was struggling. The the worst I was probably struggling with was was the driver back in oh two or three, um, and and I just with a little bit more loft on on the three wood, it just felt like that would that would help out a little bit, a little bit shorter club, and and uh, I just hit a lot of three woods off the deck back then, and 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 then that became kind of my my strongest asset. Um, I mean, I. I was driving the ball extremely well in 05, 06. Um, the combination of, of accuracy and length was was probably as good as it, as it, as it gets back then. And um, I've had some some good spells with with the driver for sure. But uh, the three wood has always kind of been there as a as a safety, as a as a trusty backup. And uh, but then also when you find a combination, it's uh, it's a strong three wood. It's been about 13 degrees low spinning so it, it it really efficiency of that club has, has mm. been great and a lot of golf courses because i don't shape the ball that much either it's been 280 290 straight down the middle you don't have to worry about dog legs uh, it's put me in a good position and then since my iron play has been been one of my strong parts of my game uh, just hitting fairways and leaving myself a lot of six seven eight irons where i can be aggressive and and accurate um, that has obviously been a strategy that's worked well for me especially on those kind of semi-hard to hard golf courses where where you've got to keep it in play and, and just keep on giving yourself birdie chances all the way around mm. yeah, yeah i like that so one of the things we hear about you henry because you're a perfectionist yeah tends to be the case <laughs> so with golf being obviously not a perfect game how do you how do you deal with the balance of of the imperfect rounds or the imperfect shots, how do you find that balance? I, I, still, your I still argue with Bob Rotella. I put that golf is not a game of perfect book out there. I said that, that's bullshit. It is a game. Of perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's. It, it, I mean it is. It's it's a, it's a game we're never gonna get finished. We we can never shoot the high score, can we? If you if you do bowling, I mean it's three hundred, right? That's you know you 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 got the maximum you can get and a lot of a lot of other games you, you can get to to a certain number golf we're never going to be finished not as a as a player or or you know you're never going to reach a score where it's 
where you feel like you finished, even though two six four felt felt pretty good, fairly close to it at least. Yeah. But I'm uh, sure you left some shots out there still, though. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> there were. Um, but it, I think it's just something that keeps on on driving me as when I practice and and as a golf player to try and become better all the time. Uh, but it it can be it can be my greatest asset, but it can also be my my biggest hurdle to overcome at times. Uh, because when do you accept what's good enough to go out and try and leave yeah. the technical side and leave thoughts of, of that you have to improve and, and really play the game as, as it's meant to, to be played as well. So it's, it's certainly a balance and it's not always, not, not always easy to, to pick up on that. And, and I've certainly had tournaments where I, where I go into the weekend and I'm, I'm, Tied thirty five, tied thirty fifth, and some guys would would certainly put their mind into. Okay, I want to try and get a top twenty or a top ten out of this, and they really fight hard. I, I, I certainly at times have been well. Obviously, I'm not playing playing good because then I I, I shouldn't be in thirty fifth or fortieth position, and then I basically spend the whole weekend out on the course working on my game, and the kind of scoring part goes out of the window a little bit. So it's. Uh, yeah, it can both make you and break you. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting actually that you that you would spend time on the course if you're not in contention. You go actually sod it. Let's just <laughs> let's just work at the game then while I'm yeah trying to analyze why why is it not working yeah. and and uh, when when you're playing well, you you got that ability to to really zone in and out. You, you're hitting you you're doing your routine. You're picking your target. You're hitting your shots. And then, then you zone out. You speak to your caddy, your playing partner, something like that. When, when, when I'm playing bad, my my mind is working overtime. It's uh, you hit the shot, now you're thinking about why that didn't work out and what you're going to do next. And you know, are you going to have a takeout meal on the range afterwards, or what's what's <laughs> going to happen? I mean, all these all these thoughts, and and just, I'm so tired when I come in after those rounds. And I think most people can can relate to that as well. If you if you're problem solving, then your mind is yeah. really, really working hard at that, and and you're never going to have that freedom and and relaxed uh, mindset. Uh, I, I think a lot of the tournaments that I won and, and played well, it's it's really when everything is in pretty good order and and you you just overall happy, and, and you you let everything be and and just go out there and play. And expectations are kind of half. Somewhat, somewhat in between, and 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 then you slowly build it up throughout the week, and and you're right there on Sunday, and and you manage to to win the tournament. Uh, certainly, been a few weeks where where you extremely good in practice, and your expectations are super high, and then you start with one bad shot, and you go like, what, what what's wrong now? What 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 happened here? And then and then the week turns into nothing, and so it's. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we we know the mental side, the mind is is a big big part of of what we do and and uh, and on the outcome of 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 uh, our tournaments. Yeah, we're not we're never going to be st- stopping to try and figure out what's going on between the years. It's uh it's certainly a challenge non-stop in golf, definitely. Yeah. So in terms of your nickname, obviously you're the Iceman, super cool, very calm and under pressure, but you've also you've also got a good sense of humor. I think you're known on tour from <laughs> From having that, being the joker, you know, being a joker on tour and a good sense of humor. So what would you say are some of the, share with us something, if you can, something that's, that's, that's happened on tour that's been pretty funny or that, that, that listeners wouldn't know? Uh, 
Yeah, something that's happened on tour. Mm. <laughs> He's going, yeah. can't say that. Can't well, say that. it's, uh, yeah, but just, I, I think uh, some sort of a good old practical joke is, is always going to be good, especially if you get some of your really good friends uh, that, that's got the same mindset and, and appreciate the same kind of humor. It's it's pretty funny, but I, I just remember it was in China quite a few years ago and, and uh, I bought this uh, pen that gave you a pretty decent electric shock when you when you try to press it up on top and um, I um, I uh, walked around and asked people for said oh, I need your email address I'm going to send this, send you this really funny thing and I just handed them a piece of paper and that pen and I mean people were like you know really sapping them good uh, i don't know what happened to that pen because it was that was probably one of my most precious belongings back then so it might make it uh, back into your hand one day yeah amazon exactly. yeah there'll be one on amazon somewhere uh, i mean just yeah stupid stuff like that it just kind of cracks you up and and these days we don't need to do the the uh, the practical jokes you just keep on keep on sending stuff over the phone right all the yeah. all the stupid clips that you get from 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 friends and and who not but uh well another one I, I was really young at the time this is with the with the guy who actually got me introduced to the game of golf um his next door neighbor they had the same television set and it was dark outside in the evening and and the the husband of the family next door he was watching tv and we took his remotes and because it, it worked on their tv as well and we were sitting outside the window and and going up and down with the volume and flicking oh. the channels and stuff and and the the man was going absolutely mad and and <laughs> he was up there he was kicking the tv set he was like screaming at it and we just like peeing ourselves outside oh. the window <laughs> brilliant yeah that was before before the tour days <laughs> before the tour days it's funny because when we remember when we did a video with Sarah Stirk Pierce, yeah, at the at the Asprey, yeah. and we said, "Oh, who's the who's the best guy that you deal oh, yeah. with on tour?" And she said, "Oh, it's just Henrik by far." She goes, "Henrik's the best guy that I deal with by what? far." So, uh, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, thank yeah. you, Sarah Stirk. Yeah, she's yeah, she 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 spoke very highly. Of that you, was a long Henrik, time so. ago, though. Now she might have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. changed yeah. the mind now. Yeah, might have changed. Ever since you won that Open. Okay, so look, we are going to do some quick fire questions in a minute, but before yeah. that, goals. Just want to go through some goals now. Obviously, hopefully, we can get back to playing some golf this year, um, and hopefully, you can defend your title at the Odomar Piquet Invitational on the Stadium Golf Challenge. Yeah, when you were running around there, that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I, I, it was all about the tactics. I waited yeah, what, what, what were the tactics? What were your well, tactics? Well, I, I was just waiting and seeing how everyone else was doing, and then I just did it a little bit better. There we go. They were they were all going so slow. They were all going so slow. Maybe I think they're a little hungover from the night before. But <laughs> I was like, see you go. That I can go faster than that. There, there you go. go. Absolutely. <laughs> but let's say so. Obviously, we're back into the season. The end of the year, you've won the Odomapigay Stadium Golf Trophy again. Um, what what do you what do you want to achieve with the rest of your career? Well, it's uh, I, I think there's there's a few things really on on the horizon now. Things have been thrown up in the air and, and thrown around here just in the last month quite a lot. So going back to the Olympics was was certainly one of my my highlights of, of this year. Uh, being up there, fighting it out with Justin at, at the Rio Games and got a medal. And uh, just to be back and, and doing one more Olympic Games. Uh, so hopefully I, I'm, I'm still there and ready to go in Tokyo next year. We just got that announced yesterday that uh, it's going to be 
the same dates pretty much next summer. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so um, that's just all pushed forward one year. Uh, Ryder Cup being another one. I've uh, yeah, I got I got them all in the oh look at standing that. in the back oh, there. there. We are. Yeah. <laughs> where's where's the uh, where's the actual um, claret jug? The, the claret jug is is up on on this side here. Oh, there we up go. Up in the that corner. Room. There we go. Right in the corner. Yeah. You you can clean it now, can't you? You've got plenty of time to clean it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Few, yeah it's it's going to be spotless. <laughs> but um, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to play on five Ryder Cup teams. Uh, been on the winning team three times, but they've all been in Europe. So I certainly felt like I had one little, one little un, unfinished business with with the Ryder Cup, and that would be uh, be winning on away grounds. In and and given my age and uh, how many young good players are coming up, I, I kind of saw this Ryder Cup here as uh, certainly the last chance to to be on on a winning away team. So. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's still very much on, on my radar to, to make that team and, and try and defend the, the cup at, uh, at Whistling Straits, uh, whether that being at, in September this, this year or if, if something's going to be moved, who knows? I mean, that's still yet to be decided, I guess, and we'll just have to see what happens here in the, in the next coming months. But yeah. those, uh, those two things were, were certainly two, two highlights on, on my 2020 um, schedule then trying to be ready and, and, and playing well at, at the majors. Uh, if I could give myself another chance or two to, to be in contention on a Sunday, I'd, I'd just like to, to get another crack at, a, at another major championship. Uh, that being said, you, you know, we, we play a sport where we play every week against so many other players. So winning never gets old. It's uh, uh, just beating that strong field down in the Bahamas in December last year. That was my first win for about two years. And, and uh, yeah, it's just such a such a boost, such a uh, nice feeling to to leave a tournament where you, where you know that I was actually the one that played the best this week and and managed to to beat those good players. It's uh, it never gets old. So just yeah, just being in contention and as as long as I feel like a game and and staying healthy and everything to to be in that spot, then I uh, I certainly showed. Showed uh, again that I uh, that I can I can do what needs to be done when when we're in those situations. So um, yeah, that's why we that's why we still get out of bed and and work hard at, at our game. But it, it, absolutely, well, it's interesting. Well, isn't he's it? Gonna, he's going to need to win Pierce because otherwise you're going to drop him at your top five, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're under pressure, Henrik. Come on, you know that's it. Come on. <laughs> well, he has won in this. That's probably that was probably only three tournaments ago though, wasn't it? Because you've hardly yeah you haven't yeah yeah hardly you? played. Yeah, that's right. I think I got. Uh, I think I played three. Yeah, yeah. There's only five. My, yeah, I played four tournaments uh, since uh, since the Bahamas. Yeah, okay. we got two more. Otherwise, you're out of the five. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Let's go on some quick fire ones. Um, so, best mate on tour. Uh, you said it was going to be quick ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got none, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to single anyone out there, but I mean the. The, the European guys uh, that I've played golf with for 20, 25 years now, even back since the, since the amateur days. I mean, it's Justin, it's G-Mac, Polter, Sergio, all those guys and, and, and a few other Swedish players that, that I've been traveling with and, and, and so on. So I'll, uh, I don't want to single anyone out in, in that Team sense. Europe. So, yeah, Team Europe. <laughs> I love that, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best advice you ever received? So best advice ever. Received. Don't eat Don't yellow. Use the driver. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> Don't eat yellow snow. Absolutely. Okay. No, good. I think uh, <laughs> the best advice. 
you got to come up with easier questions. No, these are these are meant to be easy, aren't they? Quick fire. Yeah, but... oh, you're dealing with a perfectionist here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, probably your caddy, I mean, Grant. Go and see Pete Cowan. That, that's certainly one of them. But mm. I, I think uh, I think a good advice is to is to you know trust your instincts, trust yourself. There we go. I like that. Andy, this is. I mean, we've got to say this, but favorite golf course. Favorite golf course. Um, it's gonna be. Um, I, I have a few different lists, same as you have a few different <laughs> yeah, lists. Different top five. <laughs> I think. I mean, I, I love links golf. Uh, uh, Muirfield, Birkdale, Troon would be my three top kind of open venues. Um, but I played I played Pebble Beach not that long ago. I think that's a absolute stunning venue to to go and play golf course and and St Andrews as well. So we'll we'll kind of top five there. Yeah, that's a good top five. five. <laughs> yeah, there's your five. There's your five. <laughs> um, so who's the funniest on tour other than yourself? Um, who's are, we, are, we, are we talking about past or present or? Yeah, well, well that you've ever seen that you've witnessed. I mean, I've I've heard some of the stories that that those boys we we mentioned earlier, Mark Rowe and Mark Davies and and uh, Russell Claydon, and I mean there were there were spaghetti dishes put on people's head, there were fire hoses <laughs> flushing people into hotel rooms and stuff. Not always the most clever things, but no. <laughs> um, yeah, some some really stupid stuff as well. But I don't. I mean, Poulter is a good prankster. He, he yeah. likes he likes a laugh. He's uh, uh, I mean, he's he sent me off to the wrong floors and all sorts in in elevators, and I walked out. <laughs> I walked out of the elevator. He snuck it in perfectly. I think I'm landing on my floor. I I walked down the aisle, uh, down down the corridor, talking, and then I turn around and realize I'm on my own. And he's he's standing up there just peeing himself, laughing when I get up to the right floor. So I mean, I've, I've I've dished it out, but I've been I've been I've been handed it to me as well. So. Mm-hmm. You'll make yourself a target, I'm sure. But yes, it's yeah. a, I'm sure you can take it. I'm sure you can take it. Um, okay, so what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I'd probably, the work I'd done on the physical side in the last 10 years, I'd probably dig into that a little bit quicker. I didn't really maybe take that side that serious early and, and uh, not saying that it was 100% needed in one way, but I, I think... Uh, I've always worked on the philosophy, like the the, the holistic view to it, and and trying to make every every part of of the big wheel as as strong as possible. So, yeah, spend more time on the a little bit more time on the physical work um, in in my younger days. Okay, good question, good answer. Sorry. Um, right, favorite food. Ooh, a good steak is hard to beat, but I I, I love I love all kinds of food. Though. I mean, I think that's one of the the brilliant things with with my profession i've traveled the world i've i mean anything asian cuisine and sushi steaks uh, uh, pizza and pasta or whatever i mean it's it's a lot of ooh, I, i'm starting to get hungry <laughs> yeah, now yeah. It's, <laughs> it's talking better, about all this we better finish <laughs> no i like it i like so, it so uh, but but steak is uh, if it's a good piece of steak it's it's hard to go wrong with that 
It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. We had to tell him about our steaks we had in Spain just recently, Andy. <laughs> Andy, oh, went, yeah, Andy yeah, went to three yeah. restaurants in a row and didn't order his meal three restaurants in a row. And he got the steak lined up perfectly. And we had a group thing. We were having tomahawks coming in and things like Ooh. that. I, was, I, I just want the, I want that steak. I want to fill it. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, one of the funniest. Okay, so building the perfect golfer. So what we ask everybody, Henrik, is with golfers that you've played with, and you can't include yourself, yeah. who's the best driver you've played with, iron player, Oh, I can't include myself. I know you would be all four. <laughs> but, and I'm going to make this different as well because you can't say Rory McIlroy on the driver because yeah. everyone picks Rory McIlroy on driving. So you can't pick Rory on driving. Who's your best driver, iron player, short game, and putter? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's going to be some tough competitions in there. But, I mean, for, for as a driver, I think Westwood and Sergio have been two of the best drivers of the ball. Uh, I'll uh, I'll go with Lee for, for now. Um and then iron play well i mean sergio's always been pretty sharp with the irons too i'd say i'll yeah. I'll, I'll give that one to him then because he already had a mentioning and didn't get the, the, <laughs> the podium on that one so we'll we'll take sergio on iron play then he's he's been pretty sharp with the irons um uh, short game i mean you, we can pick we can pick Seve for that one can't we Indeed, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And then putting. I mean, I, I saw I saw it firsthand in in 2015 when Spieth was on fire on the greens. He was he was right up there. But it feels kind of hard not to put Tiger Woods in this uh, mm-hmm. in this ultimate golfer as well. So I think given the putts that Tiger's made over the years, that all the must make putts, I'll I'll throw him in um, because his his you know, mindset and mental skills obviously is, is as good as anyone's ever had. So we'll pick Tiger on that one because then that feeds into all the other stuff as well. So Perfect. there you go. Uh, that's a, that's a, a new one there, Pete. Decent golfer, isn't it? That, but yeah, Lee and Sergio, absolutely. Lee and Sergio, not? Not, no, we've not had those before. We haven't, just no. Uh, just, just quickly on Tiger. I mean, obviously, there's a chance that he's going to go down if we don't believe he's the best in the world or the best ever now. He, he's obviously going to be. You do, yeah. I mean, yeah. In my, in my book, he's the, he's the best to to play the game because you you got to. I think we, we're looking at some of the records that he's trying to uh, to break or have been breaking. But it's every generation kind of moves forward, and and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it's Jack got his 18, Tiger's got 15, right? So it's mm-hmm. but you would say that it was easier for Jack to win 18 than it was for Tiger to win 15. And, and the so, same yeah. if, if, if Rory gets to 12 or whatever, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be harder and harder as time goes on. And, and, the and the sport just, the competition gets tougher and tougher on a worldwide basis. It's just going to be harder and harder to be that dominant, I think. So it's, uh, uh, but just the way, I mean, I never, never really get to see Jack play in real life and, and, and so on, but just some of the some of the stuff that Tiger's done over the years, and we talked about some must-make putts there, and all those. Uh, I mean, making that putt on 18 at Torrey Pines to get into the playoff, mm. he's already limping around, and and by just sheer will, he forced that 20-footer to to bubble in the hole and and then go out and beat Rockamediate in the playoff the next day to win. It's I mean, some of some of those ones. That six sound out of a bunker at the Canadian Open over a tree to the back right pin, and I mean, there's, there's just endless of them. The chip in at Augusta and all that. So it's uh, yeah. In, in my book, he's the, he's the best that's ever played the game. 
And what's what's it like playing against him in in that situation? I'm not sure whether you've ever played him in Ryder Cup in a singles, but maybe you have in in no. In I, I, I actually I don't think I've ever played him in in the in the other matches either. He's okay. he's always been shying away from me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's watching this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he just yet. <laughs> oh, but I, I yeah. So I haven't really played him in the in the Ryder Cup uh, uh, from from what I can recall, but. Um, uh, I've always en- enjoyed playing the same as I enjoyed that that match with Phil. I've always enjoyed being up against uh, against the best players in the world because I feel like I I just got to bring my absolute best and and try and perform my absolute best and and I feel like I've done that when I played with Tiger over the years. Uh, uh, the year I won the FedEx Cup, uh, he was number one, I was number two in the rankings, and we teed off and and I managed to give him a pretty good shake up in the first round at. At uh, at the Tour Championship and and a few other times as well. So I always feel like I've held my ground pretty good against him, um, and and always brought uh, as good a game as as I can do. So it's it's always been very inspiring for me to to play with him and and against him. And uh, uh, I think that that goes for for a lot of lot of the best players. I've always enjoyed that challenge. So um, yeah, it's been great and it's, it's been a. It's been pretty pretty cool to be to be playing uh, in the same era as, as him and and uh, yeah. having the opportunity to play against him. Well, let's hope he's around for a little bit longer as well. He's, uh, he's certainly great for the game, and he's, I think he's great for everybody else who's competing against him as well. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool, brilliant. Well, no more, thank you no for your more time, questions. Henrik. You, what you've, you've pulled them all out of us? Are we only another nine hours yet? Have we? <laughs> yeah, we just have a chat now. This is where you interview, interview us for go. a couple of hours, Henrik. That's where. That's what happens. Yeah. But no, thank you so much for your time, Henrik. You've been really generous. I mean, we've gone on for over an well over an hour there, which has been great. Loads of stuff that an insight into you, which is always nice for the listeners, but also some practical things that they can take and uh, hopefully think about for the game as well. So thank you yeah, so much. For your yeah, yeah. We just uh, thank you, and we just hope that we. We can kind of get over this this crazy time as as quick as possible. We said time flies with the kids. Hopefully, it flies through this whole coronavirus yeah. situation as well, and and uh, we can be back and up and running on 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 all the sports and everything. But but more more importantly, uh, everyone stays healthy, and and we can get back to to life and, and work and everything. And sport is obviously one part of that, but it's it's not the not the main part in in the overall picture. Absolutely, yeah. and hopefully we right. get to see you at the uh, the AP event in Dubai this year. Whether that's going to go ahead, we'll see. But then hopefully, maybe we see yeah. you before. But it'd be good to hopefully see you there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's sneak is been been a lot of <laughs> lot of lot of impacts here on on, on cancelling a lot of lot of things. But um, mm-hmm. as soon as we we kind of were uh, through the worst part of this, I hope we can be be up and planning and and uh, getting things back in order again. So yeah. thank yeah. thank you, thanks for your time as well, and. Um, yeah, Brilliant. we'll uh, we'll see you down the road. See you soon. Yes, keep safe. Cheers, Henry. All right, you too. Thank Thanks. you. Bye-bye. Well, how good was that? Thank you so much, Henrik. That was unbelievable. Uh, just getting an insight there, that Open Championship win, obviously. And it, for me, it's got to be the best golf that I have ever seen. So it was a really, it was a pleasure for myself and Andy to spend an hour speaking to Henrik about this, you know, the, what he's done in his game and growing up. And I think for yourselves, you know, you really can understand the attention to detail that Henrik goes through and making sure that you look and put similar things into your golf will definitely help you moving forward. Speaking of helping you moving forward, don't forget the 30-day free trial at meandmygolf.com. Go and check it out and we look forward to seeing you on next week's podcast.